Hi there! You're about to listen to a vintage episode of the Under the Microscope podcast. While the content is still as relevant and as interesting as when it was recorded, our webpage has changed. You can now find us at thesciencetalk.com slash real-scientist-nano. Welcome to Under the Microscope. This series is brought to you by the Real Scientists Nano team. Our goal is to provide a platform where scientists can communicate their work and interact with the public. With that in mind, every week we introduce you to a scientist working in the field of materials and nanoscience. Hello everyone, today we have with us Vivian Tong who is a higher research scientist at the National Physical Laboratory uh, near London in the UK. Hi Vivian, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Good to speak to you. Wonderful. Let's start with understanding your career, uh, scientific career so far. So how did you end up in your current research field? Um, So I wanted to be a scientist um, when I was six years old. Uh, I don't know how much I knew about scientists, but I uh, knew they invented stuff. um, And I Mm -hmm. read about uh, Edison inventing the light bulb and I thought that was really cool uh, and they find out how stuff works and um, yeah and originally I was um, more interested in physics uh, I guess it's a subject you do in school um, but when I was applying to uni uh, I found out about this field or this uh, course that you could do called material science um, where you didn't just do physics but uh, you made it useful for engineers um, to build stuff with. So material scientists, uh, I guess, design and develop materials um, that are better so that engineers can build better structures. Um, so I, so, so, so that's my, uh, that's what my degree's in. Um, and my, uh, and I, and at the end, I, and, and, well, I ended up doing a, a PhD, um, uh, where the research topic was on uh, electron backscatter diffraction um, and using it to study zirconium alloys, uh, which is a metal that's used in nuclear reactors. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, I, I thought I thought about um, uh, academic research, um, but then I found out also that um, you could do fundamental research, uh, well, a mixture of fundamental and industrially relevant research um, in a non-academic setting. And now I work at uh, NPL, or the National Physical Laboratory, where uh, I develop new methods to interpret uh, microscopy data um, so that not just we get some useful, well, not, not that we don't just get some microscopy data, but we can also tell uh, more and more useful things about uh, the material we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's that's really cool. That's uh, that's amazing. Uh, that's quite an interesting journey you've had, and I liked your description of material scientists because uh, I'm I myself I'm a material scientist. Uh, that material science science makes physics useful for engineers. So we are kind of this bridge 
between the basic sciences, so to say, and the applied sciences in a bigger scale. Uh, I really yes. like the description. I think I'm and not just. <laughs> I mean, and not just physics, but also chemistry and um, sometimes Absolutely. biology. Absolutely, yeah. With you, completely with you on that. I'm definitely gonna use that in later because most of my scientific career life, I got this uh, this remark that yeah, you're a material scientist, but you are more of a physics physicist, and then the chemist would be like, you're more of a care. Uh, the, the physicist would be like, no, you're more of a chemist. And then the, both the physicist and chemist would say that, eh, actually, you're more of an engineer. So <laughs> mm. I really like your definition. Um, uh, so uh, how, how uh, can you explain to us how and where does your current research fall in this big puzzle or this big picture of material science or materials or nanoscience at the moment? Um, so I uh, I work with engineering materials, so mm -hmm. um, mostly metals, but some semiconductors to make uh, that you make stuff out of. Um, so, say planes or um, bridges or uh, nuclear reactors or computer chips. Um, these are made of materials that have to be strong and last um, to and perform a certain function and last uh, as long as you need it to. Um, and my research in microscopy, um, I look at both the microscale and nanoscale structures of uh, these materials. Um, and if we can understand them, we can then manipulate them and change them to make it better for uh, the engineers to use later on. Okay, so that sounds that's that's really interesting. And and as you also mentioned in the previous podcast, um, you 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 characterize all different kinds of materials from airplane material to drills to nuclear plants, computers. So it sounds to me like you do a lot of interesting experiments, or a lot of uh, you are involved in a lot of re interesting research projects. Um, so if you have to pick one uh, that you're most proud of or the most quirky or the fun one, could you pick one and uh, explain it to us in simple words in the section we call In Other Words? Sure. Um, so one of the projects that I had to do, uh, well, I, I did in my PhD was on how um, these, uh, how, how, so, how these um, uh, grains in, uh, well, so it was was something that uh, happens in well one of the things I did in my PhD was um, look at the how one of some some structures some special structures formed in uh, zirconium which is the metal I was working on which is used in nuclear reactors um, so on the micro scale um, zirconium is made out of uh, any zirconium metal will be made out of um, crystals, small crystals packed together, and we call these um, grains. Um, and usually uh, they're about 10 microns uh, in diameter, uh, which means you could probably fit um, 25 of them into the width of your uh, human hair. Um, but sometimes, um, uh, and for some, yeah, for sometimes for some reason, uh, one of these grains starts eating all the grains around it, and it grows 
really, really big, sometimes to even a millimeter, uh, half a millimeter or a millimeter in size. Um, and the thing you need to know about zirconium uh, is that it's used as uh, it's used in nuclear reactors um, and the shape in the nuclear reactors are these like four meter long uh, thin walled tubes and the tube wall thickness is only half a millimeter. Um, so if you've suddenly got this big grain that's um, basically the entire wall thickness of um, this tube, that becomes a massive weak spot in the um, reactor and uh, you, don't, you don't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. So the project I did was to look at, well, how do these big grains form? And then once we find out that how these big grains form, we can then look at, okay, what is the manufacturing routes used to produce these long tubes? Um, or what are the temperatures and stresses and pressures um, in the reactor in operation? And how, therefore, can we um, make sure that these big grains don't happen and aren't found in nuclear reactors that we use uh, in operation? Um, the project was actually an accident. I was trying to do something else, but found that um, these big grains happened. Then I realized they were uh, a big industrial problem, which was how I started working on it. Wow, that's that's really fascinating. Well, we, we hope to read more about it on while you're curating the, the, the Twitter account. And I hope there are a lot of pictures as well. Um, and um, yeah, this is this is amazing. I can imagine why you picked this as the most proud of uh, the, the project or research project for you. This is wonderful. Um, uh, Vivian, I hope you're, uh, you're um, yeah, let's move towards more of the research experience now. And I hope that your research experience so far has been wonderful and will continue to be amazing in the future as well. Um, having said that, if you had three wishes, to improve your research experience, what would you ask for? And I'm not promising anything here, okay? Okay, um, I guess, well, if you, you can't promise anything, uh, but <laughs> one of the things that I noticed, uh, well, I've actually, I didn't notice until I st stopped working in an academic environment was that um, journal public uh, uh, access to journal publications um is actually really expensive um and at in most um non-university settings you uh click on a paper that looks interesting you can see the abstract and then you hit a paywall um so what i would love um is and there are lots of initiatives um uh uh, uh starting now um, is uh, well and have been probably been a while is like to have more open access routes to access journal papers um, and such as say preprints and um, the archive um, uh, where you can put preprints or postprints of papers um, because frankly it makes sense the, um, uh, for yeah for, for for scientists to be able to um, benefit from uh, other scientists work that probably the same government or similar same group of governments are funding um, the research for. Um, the second one um, is uh, I would like to um, see a lower, I would, I, would, I would wish for a lower barrier to entry for doing, for applying for stuff like um, research fellowships or research grants, um, not so much in that 
uh, I think it should be less competitive. But um, in terms of uh, if you've had any experience with this, you'll know that you do a hundred, maybe three hundred hours of work um, for an applicate to make construct an application of something that has a success rate of probably ten percent, um, and that doesn't make sense to me um, because not just because it's a lot of work for something that may never happen, but also that. A lot of this, a lot of this documents you have to put in aren't actually to do with um, the work itself, but kind of, I don't know, uh, housekeeping or governance things that you have to put in um, that actually could be asked for at a later stage when you've been shortlisted. Um, so that would be what I would wish for, um, so that we can get more applications from people who maybe don't just have all the time on their hands, maybe have other caring responsibilities, um, or don't have cooperative brains, um, that kind of thing. The third thing I would wish for um, is uh, uh, an increased visibility of, I guess, non-academic research roles um, when you're in university. Uh, when, it, when I guess um, when I speak pers from personal experience, um, when you graduate uh, from a PhD, then you see that this kind of uh, linear career progression um, from, uh, 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 I guess, PhD student to postdoc to maybe research fellow to lecturer, and you can see all that and how that chain forms. But then if someone goes and works somewhere else, they say, oh, they went to work for this company or they went into industry and that's quite vague and I don't know what that looks like. So I guess increased visibility of that kind of thing uh, would be really great too uh, for lots of people who are just at the beginning of their research careers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's I, I think all three of your wishes are quite... Uh, uh, I can understand them completely, and I wish I could just grant it uh, with uh, just by snapping my fingers. Uh, but I hope that we are working towards achieving these all three things, uh, all three important things that you mentioned. Um, and I hope we are we are working towards it. And I think uh, talking about uh, talking about um, a researcher, at least for the third one, then talking about uh, or showing. Or bringing forward the researchers like you who are not in academia uh, per se, um, I think this uh, this is a good uh, start as well, uh, so that people know that there is something, there is research happening also not, there is a lot of research happening in university, but also in non-university places there are also research institutions where research is taking place. Um, yeah, I, I hope I could, yeah, all three wishes, I, as I said, um, I completely understand them. Uh, continuing the trees um, and a bit about the future, uh, what are you most looking forward to in the next three months? Um, so what I'm most looking forward to in the next three months is being able to go into work again because at the moment, um, right now it's the year 2020 and uh, the coronavirus um, <laughs> pandemic is spreading uh, throughout Europe and um, uh, I guess like most people in well like many people in non-critical uh, frontline roles um, I'm working from home um, and I don't have a microscope at home that I can do experiments from uh, 
Um, so I can't wait, absolutely can't wait to um, go back into the lab and get on the microscope and do more experiments. Um, but on the other hand, uh, this, um, this, 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 I guess this being forced away from the lab and having to work from home has opened up lots of opportunities um, and uh, where I'm getting to do some new things at work and uh, what, say, um, focus a little bit more on uh, the computational side of um, my research. Um, so I guess I'm looking forward to being able to learning new skills now and being able to apply them in hopefully three months time when I can get back in the lab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a positive way of looking at it. Uh, all the other opportunities that have opened up uh, because of the lockdown. That's, uh, that's wonderful. Um, and I hope that this pandemic is over or under control soon and every one of us can go back to their, uh, their jobs. Um, researchers uh, particularly can go back into their labs uh, that would be wonderful I can only imagine how difficult it is to not have an electron microscope at home that you can uh, <laughs> analyze <things with. laughs> can, but, but at the moment it's more important to stay at home yeah absolutely absolutely you're right absolutely yeah. right we can we can um, we, can, we are strong. We, we, we can wait to go back into the lab uh, <laughs> uh, because it's safer to stay at home and uh, stay healthy at home. Um, Vivian, before we let you go, uh, what we want to understand from you is uh, what are the challenges faced by your field of materials on nanoscience um, that are that the, the, that the scientists are working towards solving or the questions, the big questions that we are looking answers for? Um, so at the moment, um, my uh, field, um, which is uh, electron microscopy or electron backscatter diffraction microscopy, is uh, very famous for producing very colorful pictures. Um, it's also notorious for just producing colorful, pretty pictures that don't tell you a huge amount of uh, new information about the material. Um, one of the biggest uh, challenges, or I guess questions, um, that I would that I guess is limiting the field um, is how can we interpret this uh, really rich data to give us more information that tells us something useful about the material as opposed to uh, just a very pretty picture. Um, that's something I'd love to work on more um, that I have been working on um, as well uh, and I hope will be addressed, um, I guess, uh, yeah, uh, as, as, as we can get more data faster uh, that we don't just have terabytes of data that we don't use uh, to the full. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, maybe the, the lockdown situation that the most of the world is uh, facing right now, maybe the, this is the new big step that uh, we, will, uh, we will achieve uh, as, uh, to, to not have this terabytes of data and actually making sense of it, more sense of it. Um, yeah, I can completely understand that. So, thank you very much for uh, thank you very much, Vivian, for speaking with us. It was really nice to talk to you, and I learned a lot. So, thank you very much, and we are excited to have you on Real Scientist Nano. Thank you. It was great to talk to you too.
Thank you for listening. To know more about us, please visit our website realscientistsnano.org and follow us on Twitter at realsci_nano. underscore nano.